Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Chance Podcast. I'm Matt Maritea. I'm going to be your host. This is a podcast that's all about talking sports and having a beer or maybe two. So, thank you for stopping by, and without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, hey, what do you say? It is Matt Marantia. We're back with the Sporting Chance podcast, uh, the podcast that drinks a beer and talks some sports. But before we get into the fun stuff, what we've got to do is just talk a little bit about Lanafee. Yeah, I know. You're probably getting tired of hearing me say it. I'm getting tired of saying it. So just buy stuff and then I wouldn't have to say it because you would already know, right? Super cool workout gear. Uh, some of the best made and best fitting stuff I have ever uh, had the pleasure of uh, putting on. Uh, it is super comfortable, super lightweight, well made. Uh, really, there's free shipping on orders of $150 plus. They have brand new Navy cutoffs in stock. Uh, shorts, joggers, leggings for you ladies, uh, socks, lift straps, knee sleeves, belts, lanyards, shakers, notebooks, stickers. I mean, name it all. Everything that you could need uh, for your daily workout or just running around town, they have, and you should grab. So head on over to the site, pick up. A piece of fantastic workout gear with my code Maratea, M-A-R-A-T-E-A, and it helps out for you and it helps out for me. Now, let's just, whatever. I hate transitioning in from, you know, plugging uh, my codes or whatever. It feels so unnatural. I just want to get in. I, I just want to talk about sports, right? That's why I'm here. That's why I do this. Well, that and the excuse to drink during the week. But, you know, I digress. And I accidentally hit the mic. I am so sorry. Oh, your poor ears. It's going to be okay, guys. Anyway, so I guess the biggest news story in Philadelphia this week, somehow still, is Ben Simmons hitting a three-pointer. Um, you know, I remember where I've been for a, a couple real significant Philly moments like the World Series, uh, you know, where I was when the Flyers lost the Stanley Cup, um, you know, the comeback against the Bruins, uh, Super Bowl, obviously. Um, but I, I remember where I was when Ben Simmons hit a three, which is ridiculous. I was in my kitchen and I was watching the TV, and it just it happened so casually. I thought Tobias had shot it at first. I had no idea of the significance until I broke down and realized that what it, it was Ben Simmons. So he hit a three. And he also attempted a 16-foot jump shot. So, I mean, basically, you can cancel the rest of the NBA season because the Sixers are going to be unstoppable. Now, while that's not true, and I mean, they actually had to have a tough game with the Knicks, and they're still finding their rotation. Al Horford has... Not played as well as advertised and for the money that he's getting. But 
you know, that's a sort of different scenario, right? So basically, we are looking at the Sixers right now as a, a work in progress. But it's one that will be improved if Ben Simmons continues to shoot. And I think making one will either is just his way of saying, see, I can do it, now shut up and let me play my game, or you know, maybe something like him, I don't know, uh, starting to adapt, starting to change. Uh, I mean, really, I just hope that it's the continuation of good things, right? One, yeah, so we'll see. They've got, they're nine and five right now, uh, and we're seeing increased minutes for basically one guy in particular, unless Trey Burke. Uh, Raul Leto seems to have played himself into and then out of a job. And right now it's Trey Burke. He's the smallest dude on the team. You can't miss him when he's out there. But he's really kind of the only guy who can play in isolation, and he's probably the best cutter that they have in terms of, you know, moving around, darting to the to the hoop. And I mean, he's not good defensively, and he's old. Uh, we don't really know how much he has left, but at the same time, he's uh, right now the best option that they have. So he's going to see increased minutes. Uh, you know, he can play in isolation, and he can sort of bring a different tempo and a different style of game uh, than when Ben isn't on the floor. He could even play uh, other positions when Ben is on the floor. If they go with the big lineup and they have Richardson in, uh, you know, there are options. Uh, but right now, the Sixers are a very fluid situation. So, 9-5. and five, uh, And this weekend, they've got games against... They've got the Spurs first up. And they're terrible, so that should be fine. Um, but, you know, Pop will probably try to play Brett Brown hard. And Brett Brown will screw up because he's playing Pop. Uh, but they've got Miami and Toronto. So, those are going to be two big tests. Uh, it... You know, it, it can this team compete with teams above them in the East? We're going to see that basically for the first time. I mean, since the opener against the Celtics. So it's a, you know, it's a landmark stepping stone sort of totem pole moment at this early part of the year that is a test I really think the Sixers are going to need to pass if they're going to be taken seriously, uh, and if not, then maybe Elton Brand is going to have to do something or sort of create, uh, you know, trades to help them. I mean, they could always use another shooter. Uh, I'm never going to be opposed to bringing back uh, Marco Bellinelli, plucking him out from whatever hell he's stuck in. Um uh, you know, we can't bring back J.J. Redick, but, you know, if you can find someone that shoots threes at this point, because it's going to be so inconsistent. I mean, unless Ben starts hitting two threes a game, uh, you got Furkan taking them, and you got Toby taking them, and Jay Rich, and I mean, Embiid may as well be your most consistent three-point shooter, which is not good i'm gonna say that until the cows come home it's not ideal oh it's it's actually upsetting to me that the centers take so many threes but 
Okay, I kind of, I worked myself into being a little upset, so I'm just going to get more upset. Okay, I've been holding on to this, and I still, I can't really get over it. It's the Eagles offense, right? Everybody knows they lost to the Patriots, 17-10. They were terrible. Like, god-awful. I don't know how uh, that Carson, he had a bad game, right? There's no... There's no real denying that. The, he's allowed to have bad games. So, you know, you can give him a pass, give him a gift, you know, give him whatever you want, okay? It was a bad game for Carson. The issue is that now... I mean, really, the defense is good again, so we're out of excuses completely uh, when it comes down to some of the coaches and some of the personnel. So we got a couple stats that I'm going to read. I, I, numbers, I know. I'm sorry. You can Google them, you can look them up, or you can just listen to me and take my word for it. So the wide receiver group this year has uh, 1,008, or in yards, has uh, 1,008. Last in the NFL. As a group, just the receivers, 93 catches, last in the NFL, or sorry, 31st in the NFL, second to last. Yards per catch average, 10.8, 31st, second to last in the NFL. Now, I'm going to be, uh, I, oh yeah, I'm going to bully him. He, they're talking about him allegedly having burner accounts or someone in his family allegedly having burner accounts because this is the ridiculous age of social media that we live in. I mean, albeit one that I love and that I need to sort of do what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but there are some things that are a little too much and having burner accounts is one of them. And it seems to be a uniquely Philly problem. I mean, yeah, KD got in trouble, but who brushed that off? Brian Colangelo got his, lost his job, as he should have. But yeah. Nelson Aguilar, yeah. Unlike Aguilar and his mishaps, I just want to put that out there, that he's 124th out of 124th in wide receivers, as rated by Pro Football Focus who have played at least 25% of their team's snaps. What does that mean? He's dead last in the league at receivers amongst like starting receivers, top one, two, three. So, ow, yeah. I hate to have to say that, but Nelson Aguilar has been objectively terrible this year. Uh... It's just weird because inversely, the defense has been good. The cornerbacks have played well. Uh, you know, they're getting pressure on the quarterback. Jim Swartz has sort of changed up his uh, dynamic, and he's blitzing uh, all of a sudden, and he's able to create pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the dude is mystifyingly somehow saving his job after everybody's ready to give him the axe. Schwartz, you know, is back. Yes, he was limited with the personnel that he was using. You know, when you got a role, uh, Rasul Douglas out there as your starter, and Sidney Jones, who basically has shown that he can't play anymore. Uh, but, you know, you get Maddox back. You get Mills back. You get Ronald Darby back. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, things start to fall into place. Rodney McLeod's out there. Malcolm Jenkins out there flying out, making plays. But then you lose Nigel Bradham. And you cut Zach Brown. And all of a sudden, Kamen Grugier Hill is making and making plays. He's an intelligent player. He's one of those special teams guys that has sort of worked his way up. He's got the athleticism to be something. I don't know if he has the physical strength or the toughness, but he's fun to watch fly around out there. Nate Gary is finally starting to pay off. He's a guy that looks slow on the uptake, but is somehow managing to you know make consistent contributions uh, defensively. So, you know, as long as he can do that, yeah, I'm happy, right? I'm happy. But really, uh, this team's going to live and die by the offense. And we've seen you know, Boston Scott's getting too many carries because Miles Sanders was getting shut down by the Patriots. That can't continue. Uh, we don't know the status of Jordan Howard. Darren Sproles is all but retired. Uh, J.H.I.E., we'll see. I mean, he's in pads, he's working out. We'll see if he makes an impact, gets some carries, gets some touches. Yeah, but this is a tough game that they're coming up into. Uh, against Seattle, they're a point-and-a-half favorite at home. Somehow, I don't think they should be. I would... But Seattle... They have deep threats. They have DK Metcalf, uh, who is just huge. So, you know, it's it's difficult. They've got a tough matchup, and it's going to be a low-scoring game if they win, right? That means the defense is playing well and the offense does just enough. It's not going to be a game where they blow them out or they get into a shootout. I believe. Uh, Russell Wilson is very, very good. Probably too good uh, for the Eagles to handle. But uh, this is the the make-or-break week. This is... We're talking about you sort of have to win out from here on. Right? This is the only week where a loss is even semi-affordable. But ideally, you're talking about having them win out and then still barely making it into the playoffs. They're still going to be, what, the fourth seed, maybe, at this rate? So I, it, that's just the reality where we've come to with this Eagles season. And, you know, it's not wrong to still be optimistic. I am cautiously optimistic whilst sort of... I, I'm gaining ground on negativity as this uh, goes on and goes forth. But, you know, eventually, I'm just going to have to suck it up, and, you know, it's the Eagles. Um, what am I doing? Not going to watch? Of course I'll be there. Of course I'll be rooting for them. Of course I'll be checking my phone in the middle of, you know, whatever the heck I'm doing for any Eagles news, anything at all. So that's just what I'm going to do. Phillies, uh, they signed a hitting coach. Woo! Uh, they're supposed to be throwing throwing big money at Garrett Cole, uh, according to Brad Lidge. I don't know how reliable a source he is, 
but that would be good news if they were able to acquire a good starting pitcher, an ace starting pitcher, move Nolan to that two spot, and then go from there. Um, Bryce Harper is holding his baby on Instagram, and that's really sort of all I got for you in terms of baseball. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, it's November starting to border on December. We don't really need to talk baseball. We do need to talk Flyers. Okay, so they won today after losing three straight. Morgan Frost uh, has made big contribution. He's got two goals and a couple points in his opening foray into the league, which is the first Flyer since David Laliberte did it in 09-10. And... He, those were the only uh, goals he would ever score in the NHL, as confirmed by uh, Bill Meltzer uh, on my Twitter. <laughs> it, well, I replied to him. He replied uh, to me. So uh, that's, I mean, it's sort of a fun uh, occurrence, right? That he's been able to make such an immediate uh, sort of impact, right? Uh, two games, two goals, an assist. Um, I mean, he's already hot on Farabee's tail. He's only got five points. So, yeah, he looks good. He looks fast. He's still only six foot. And, uh, you know, I'm still very wary about him being a full-time NHLer and Maybe not that. I don't think I'm wary about him being a full-timer. I think what I'm wary about is seeing him as, I don't know, uh, with that line combination. Giroux, Konechny, Frost. Frost allegedly being the biggest guy on that line that kind of makes me just a little bit nervous. Okay, I, I think that's one that may come back to haunt them. But... You know, it is what it is. Uh, they got goals today from Giroux, uh, Provorov, Frost, Giroux again, and Kevin Hayes finally gets off the schneid with an empty netter and is able to snag my boy, my buddy Raffle and assist in the process. But all in all, they haven't been playing well up until tonight and even into tonight. They were having some issues, right? Lost... Uh, excuse me, just trying to find my spot here. Okay, they lost to Washington in a shootout. That wasn't terrible. They lost to Ottawa, a team they should have beaten. They sort of gave that one away, right? Late goals are a problem. Against Washington, same thing. Late goals are a problem. New York, again, late goals are a problem. They give it away, lose that one in a shootout. Florida, they never really got going. They looked bad. I don't know, you know, they, they gave up a couple bad goals defensively and goaltending-wise. But they were able to sneak past Carolina tonight. That's kind of an important thing considering they now have two wins over Carolina. And that matters down the road. All right, so they're going to have Calgary, Vancouver, Columbus, Detroit, and Montreal to finish off the month. It, these are all winnable games, right? You can afford them. You can spot them maybe a loss or two in that stretch. But these is the type of time where you really have to start making up points, making up ground, you know, winning the games you're supposed to win. Otherwise, you're not going to be 
set out for a playoff standing, especially because, and yes, it's too early to talk about this, but Washington already with 36 points, right? The Islanders already with 33 points. They look like they're just going to pull away from the pack to begin with. Boston has 33 points in the Atlantic Division, and Florida and Montreal have 27. So that sets the bar kind of high for those divisions, right? So now currently Pittsburgh, the Flyers, 1-2 in the wild card seedings, right? Uh, But the problem is, well, I mean, they're tied. Uh, Exact same records. Pittsburgh would have the tiebreaker thanks to, you know, wins. But Toronto is right there. They're getting a new coach. Buffalo is right there. They're sort of a revamped team. Tampa Bay hasn't even gotten going yet. They're behind them. Columbus can still play. So it's going to be very difficult. There's going to be transactional movement sort of between spot three in that Metropolitan Division and the wild card. So. And then you've got to factor in the Atlantic Division. So that's going to complicate things. So you need to accumulate as many points as you can. And you want to be closer to the Islanders than you do, say, the Hurricanes and the Pittsburghs of the world. Basically, all that sums up to is you need to win as many games as possible, right? But to do that, the Flyers have to be more balanced. They have to be able to bring 60 minutes of energy uh, to a game, and they're going to need contributions from the guys that they're paying to contribute. Specifically, that means Jake Van Riemsdyk, uh, or sorry, that means James Van Riemsdyk, Jakub Borjug, or Jay Borjug, and Shane Gossespierre. These guys have been albatrosses. They've been abysmal. Uh, you know, Jake, you can tell, is sort of trying and pressing, and he's on that weird one goal away from a milestone hump, right? He's about to get 200 goals the next one he scores. So he's dealing with that in sort of his own way by having a slump. But you can tell he's trying and he's shooting and he's pushing for opportunities. And he's sort of been playing better defensively. So maybe you get why there's some offensive regression, but at the same time, it's been a little too long. JVR can't buy a goal. I mean, I just he's not really useful as a player outside of around the net. And it seems that every flyer can convert from there other than him. Uh, He can pass a little bit, but he's not fast. He's not a truly adept puck handler. He's Hextall's parting gift to us. I mean, my goodness, he's making over $7 million a year. And it's... uh, Oh, it makes my head hurt. Oh, God. Just, I'm sorry. I, I was never a big JVR guy, even in his original tenure. Because he's 6'4", but he's soft. And he doesn't skate particularly well. For someone of his physical size, he doesn't properly use sort of those attributes that he has. And, yeah, he, I mean, he was on those Maple Leaf teams and I think his numbers got inflated because all they were doing was scoring, but they were losing games and not doing anything in the playoffs basically because they were kind of a relatively soft team. You know, it's it's frustrating. 
And then that brings us to Shane Gostisbehere, who really, I mean, he's he only played 10 minutes tonight. Uh, they played 7D, and they sat one of the fourth liners, I think, Andrew off. I think he's fallen out of favor with everybody. I mean, he's only got seven points, five, six points on the year. Uh, so for someone who's being paid more and, and acquired more for his offense, he's only got six points, right? Travis Sanheim, for all his woes, uh, has six points. Phil Myers, in ten games, has six points, had another assist tonight, right? Uh, Gosses Bear's lagging behind. And he's... You know, if he's not scoring, he's proving to be a defensive liability. Again and again and again. And, you know, it's not going to be tolerated, I think, by this coaching staff and by this general manager. We've seen he's made the moves. He's had to bring up Frost. He's brought up Farabee. But he's also brought off Rubstov. He's brought up Terwinski, Bunneman. Uh, signed Stewart to hold guys accountable. Andrioff has been up. Uh, Voboriev has been up. Phil Myers has been called up. Uh, Sam Moran was floating around for a while. Uh, Scott Lawton's going to be coming back soon. Okay, so... Chuck Fletcher seems to be a guy who doesn't tolerate not... Producing, especially if you are in any way expendable, movable, uh, shuffleable within the lineup. And if there's going to, I mean, the, slowly or quicker, depending on who you are, Shane Gossesbear is sort of becoming that guy. So that's a big problem for him, for the team. Uh, you know, I'd say small issue maybe with the goalies. Uh, neither of them really finding their footing and taking that net assertively. I still think they're going to go with Hart as the starter going forward, but, you know, you never know uh, how things end up there. And then uh, sort of finishing off the Wilder Ortiz 2 is this weekend. Uh, a lot of people talking about this one. It's a you know, heavyweight fight, big title on the line, and... For Deontay Wilder, what it means is that rematch against Tyson Fury that he needs and wants so much. Uh, But he has to get by Luis King Kong Ortiz, uh, who was beating him basically in their first fight. And could have knocked him out, but didn't. Didn't have the gas, didn't have the wherewithal for whatever reason. And then Wilder came back and knocked him out. Now... The one thing I don't like about this fight is people saying that, you know, it's inevitability that Wilder will win. Uh, Luis Ortiz is a a great boxer in the Cuban tradition. Uh, You know, he's got great fundamentals for a heavyweight, good head movement. He's got quick hands. Uh, And, you know, even though he's like 700 years old or... I guess he's officially listed at 40, but the man looks like he was 45 years ago. So, you know, I mean, we all know how reliable a Cuban birth certificate can be, uh, especially when it comes to their athletes. So, uh, Luis Ortiz could be 45 for all we know. 
he's in the best shape of his career so far. He seems dedicated, motivated, because I think he knows how close he got last time. I think he's seen the film, and he's probably seen that moment where he goes, oh my god, I could have stopped him right here. The fight should have been over. Why aren't I... Hit him. Hit him. And, you know... Or whatever the Spanish version of that is, or the Cuban-Spanish version. Probably a lot louder and probably a lot more frantic. But he's seen those moments, right? He's seen where it could have been. It could have happened. So I think he's going to be motivated. Like I said, he's in great shape. And he's a hell of a fighter. The thing about Deontay Wilder is that he's just got this legendary power. And he's got those long arms, and he played football, and he's just not going to hit you like a traditional boxer. He's not going to come down the pike with a straight one-two. And he just has this otherworldly conditioning because he is so tall and so long that he can weigh into the heavyweight limits, but he's not fat he's skinny almost and the reach and the power it's it's a tangled mess to deal with it, it, even though he's not really refined he may not have the greatest footwork or angles or whatever power has made up for that his entire career and it made up for it against ortiz who he put out and there's a good chance it could make up for it again if you will, but yeah, I, if I was to make a pick, it would be Wilder. I don't see him losing. Uh, it could be ten title defenses for him. That puts him, you know, arguably in rarefied air. If you want to start talking that way, but the whole thing is, does he end up getting the rematch with Fury? It's been signed, sealed, delivered, basically with the contingency that Luis Ortiz uh, loses the fight. Which kind of makes this an untenable position. Like, if you're... I mean, Wilder has to win. And if it goes to a decision and it's close, well, then the fight may sort of stretch into infamy, right? Unless it's clear that Wilder takes a decision. Okay. And that's why I don't like putting the cart before the horse... And signing contracts for fights, you know, before they've, before you've had the fight you're contracted on already, uh, it just it, again, irked, irked again. Anyway, I've worked myself up enough. I I think it's time. Uh, I think I deserve a beer. So, this week uh, I got a, like a central jersey, if you want to call it that. Uh, familiar to me, maybe familiar to you, Tom's River Brewing. Um, I actually met these guys at the Battleship, uh, New Jersey, the beer fest there. Uh, Awesome to get to talk to a couple of them and try what they had on there. They didn't have this, but they had an Irish Red, which is, as everybody knows, Irish Reds are pretty much my favorite. Uh, So if you have any good recommendations or want to send me any, please do so. but also, you know, I tried theirs. It was really good. i sort of been meaning to get up in that area and visit it anyway. But when I saw it in the local store, had to pick it up. And I figure, eh, we're sort of shifting towards darker beers here in the uh, winter. 
if you will. So I might as well pick up their Black Rabbit Black Lager. 5.6% uh, or 5.5%, uh, one of the two. 5.6 on the can, 5.5 five on the website. Uh, described as dark in color, but incredibly light-bodied with a great roast to it, a hint of citrus, and a clean, dry finish. I'm excited to try this one. I've never had a black lager before, so uh, this should be fun, right? And there's our beer crack. And I got my Penn State glass today, mostly because I have to root for them this weekend against the evil that is Ohio State. Uh, if, but I will say, if either team wins and doesn't end up in the college playoff, then it is completely rigged for the SEC, and I will no longer be supporting the institution that is the NCAA. I'm just kidding. I'll always watch. But, you know, I, I really do believe that uh, the winner of that one, and then I guess they would have to win the Big Ten championship game uh, from there. But Ohio State, Penn State, that winner should and probably will get into the college football playoff. Um, Ohio State will do it as the number one seed for sure uh, if they're able to pull it off. It's going to be a good game. It's, there's been no real test for Ohio State as of yet. So, I mean, Penn State is going to be a big yardstick measuring stick. Uh, anyway, just finishing off getting this one into my glass. Uh, now, it's super interesting looking at it and knowing that this is going to be a locker, but seeing... You know, sort of how black it is. Because, I mean, really. Uh, it, I mean, it looks like I just poured a stout. So. Anyway, uh, excited to try this one. Uh, Hmm. Well, uh, huh. Yeah, that is interesting because, like it says, so you have the roastiness, so that comes through. And it's not so much that dark stout, uh, closer to this sort of the, a porter almost, if you will. Uh, it's got a good breadiness to it, if you will, but it's also got that hint of citrus, like it claims that does come through a little bit, but I can't really, citrus is such a general term, especially because when I think citrus, so I think like lemon lime, I don't think orange, even though orange is more citrus, right? I don't Either way, that's a. F I mean, it's interesting to look at uh, if it's a lager. Technically, it's going to start that kind of. Huh, wait, really? Because of its blackness. Uh, so it's kind of fun. You know, again, it's an eat with the eyes thing, right? 
So I pour this, I say it's a lager, it comes out black. Somebody goes, huh? <laughs> it's one of those beers that sort of sells itself inside the glass, which is fun. But it does have that clean, dry finish, and you taste that definitely uh, on the swallow. And if it's in your mouth for like more than half a second, you're like, oh, hmm. I mean, it, it's got a pleasant sort of uh, uh, feel to it. Um, you know, the problem with rating beers, I think, is that I, I, I like them. But maybe it's because I know myself is that I pick beers that I like. Uh, so. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's good. I like it. It seems to be. I mean, one that I would drink again. Uh, no problems with that. I, I got three left too, so yeah. yeah, it's good. It's got the great finish and you know, a good taste, uh, the roastiness, but it's got a little lightness to it. Uh, it doesn't taste all that heavy despite the color. Uh, it goes down smooth, simple. Uh, I'll give it a 3.75, slightly above where it's ranked on the untapped, but uh, I enjoy this one, uh, so thank you, Tom's River. Uh, pressed again. They got the little Irish knots on the can. You can't uh, miss this when you see it uh, in stores, uh, so if you do, pick it up, support them, support all of your local breweries. Uh, and always support Zeds, uh, if you will. You can catch me there. Not this week, but next week. Uh, day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, I will be there. And then that Saturday, I'll be there, too. Um, check me out online. Twitter, Instagram, mmmaratea22. Uh, both handles. Sport Chance Pod, Twitter, Instagram, both handles. Uh, you we can be reached there, me and the podcast which is also me. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, want to jump on as a guest, uh, you have a beer to suggest, uh, you want to tell me I'm terrible, um, sh leave a review on iTunes, uh, give me five stars, and then say I'm terrible. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, always appreciate feedback. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to finish this off. Uh, have fun. Cheers.